Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. This is the plans to my house. Not the one I'm going to build, the one I built several years ago. It's, uh, it's got floor plans and electrical plans and lighting plans and front and rear elevations and foundation plans and page after page of, of how-to when you, when you show up at, at a job site, where to get started. Here's some plans for uh, a church building I hope we can build one day. Um, it's, it's got plans for worship and recreation and kids and, and different rooms cordoned off. And it's, it's not a very detailed plan. It's just a basic floor plan to show you what's where and all those kinds of things. And builders, when they show up at a job site, uh, they want to plan. They want to know how far is this wall from this wall? Where, where does this corner start? Where does that corner end? Because everybody else's plan depends on the start. It depends on the person who's there digging the footings and, and they dig, dig, dig the footings out in the right dimensions and from, and from one dimension to one end of the house to the other. And are they deep enough? Are they wide enough? Are the, are the corners diagonally measured out? Do they come even when you measure them out? And because the next guy, the block layer's work depends on the foundation guy's work who dug the hole. And the framer's work depends on the block layer's work. And the sheetrock guy depends on the framer's work. And the electrician's depend, you know, and, and so it's, it's this never-ending puzzle that starts to be put together piece by piece by piece, one depending on the one before it. That's the way God's plan for us works. In, in fact, we started to look at this last week as we started this, this series called The Mission of Life and, and trying to figure out, does God have a plan, purpose, call, will for me? Is it, and is it, deep, is it deeper than what I've experienced thus far? And the answer for most of us is, yes, he does. And the answer for all of us is, yes, he does. The answer for most of us is, it's deeper than I've experienced so far. And so, as we, as we saw this unfold last week by figuring out that, yes, God's got a call for me. It's, I, I see beyond any shadow of doubt that his word talks to every believer having a call, having a predestined, predetermined from God call, call on our lives. Uh, it's something of a specific nature. So, this week we're going to look at God's plans for me, and as we do so, we're going to look in, in light of a couple of different things. One is globally, and that's how God's plan works for all of us, for every believer, and then also specifically how God may be speaking to me uniquely and individually. So we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29 and Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn there and look, the, the, the scripture will be on the screen for you as well, but if you want to make some notes and jot and underline and mess up your margins like I do, then you'll want to turn in your Bibles today. First of all, let's look at these a couple, two, three verses in Jeremiah 20, uh, chapter 29, verse 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. First of all, God's plans for me will always be for my good. God's plans for me, and it's important we nail this down, God's plans for me will always be for my good. He says in verse 11, plans to prosper you and give you a future. Uh, plans to, to, to make you successful. And plans to, to, 
to, to, to help you ensure that my tomorrow is far more abundant, is far more fruitful, is far more fulfilling than my yesterday was. In other words, plans to, for help, to help us realize God's got design to this, and he's got design for me to walk in the center of his will and be successful doing that to the extent that today feeds tomorrow. And tomorrow feeds the next day. And the enthusiasm one day after the next of what God has done yesterday feeds me to get up today and say, man, he's, what's he going to do today? What's he going to do tomorrow? What's he, what will he do in my life five years from now? As so I look back on my life, what do I see? And, I, and that's where I want you to, to start today. What do you, what, in a nutshell, and you don't have to answer out loud, but in a nutshell, what does your future hold? What do you think it holds? What do you see Five years from now, what do you see ten years from now? What do you see a year from now? What do you see six months from now? What kind of future do you think life holds for your kids? What kind of future do you, do you, do you foresee life holding for your grandkids? Uh, I just finished a, a, a book by Jonathan Kahn um, that, that speaks to some prophecy being, as we see, see it being fulfilled in our day. Um, the Mystery of the Shemitah. And in, in, in that book, there's a, there's, there's great discouragement if you don't know Jesus and great hope if you do. In that book, there, there, there is, uh, and I would encourage it to you. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to share it with you after worship if you can't remember that. But, but there is, you and I are in a, you and I are in a, in an ever changing world where wrong is right and right is wrong. And the things that we, that we saw even 10 years ago, and I really believe in my heart that, I mean, this, this started from the garden. Don't, don't, don't be mistaken. We started in the garden messing up. We've been messing up ever since the garden. But I really, I really see this becoming uh, the gas pedal being pushed to the floor in the mid-60s. And it, when it was pushed to the floor in the mid-60s, we started down a road, um, and I've seen it happen in my lifetime, but we started down a road that I fear today there's no return from. I hope and pray for revival in our, in our country, but in reality where I stand today, I just don't see it happening. Why? Because I, I and, and, and please don't hear depression from, from me because what I'm about to share with you, I think is great news. The reason I don't see it happening is because hearts, and we're seeing this happen in the scripture. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24. The prophets even spoke about it. Revelation speaks to it. In the last days, men's hearts will become hard. They'll become calloused. They'll become unreceptive to truth. We're seeing those very things in our day. We're seeing right being turned upon its ear and wrong being elevated to a place where I would have never dreamed several years ago. Here's the good news, though. In, a, in an upended, upside-down world that you and I live in, what he, what he speaks to is plans to give you hope and a future. He talks about it in this verse. In a world that's mixed up and, and really doesn't know how to define right from wrong and, and, and in, a, in, a, in a, an ever-changing sense of morality, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, what is helpful, what is not, in, in a world with changing and re- constantly redefined morality, they, this world needs hope. And the only hope that's going to help them is the blood of Jesus on the cross. That's the only thing that's helped us. It's the only hope you, you and I can have, hang on to today and hang our hat on is that the blood of Jesus on the cross tells us that this isn't it. In fact, this is such a dim view of what it really is. The it that he's designed for us, the it that he's wired us for, even here, doesn't compare to the it and the hereafter. Now we can experience fulfillment and great joy in the midst of a, in the midst of a mixed up world. We can walk with Him intimately, can sense His presence and His power in great ways. And I I hope this series will give us the encouragement and impetus to do that. But there's no candle to compare to what He has in store for us. 
Because as I've often said, if we look at life through an earthly lens, we're going to see so we're going to miss so much of what God has for us. If we start to look at life through an eternal lens and we see the temporary nature of this and of that and of this relationship and of this possession and of this house and of this job, and of, we see the temporary nature of life. We start to see, whoa, God is up to something far bigger than I've ever dreamed before, and it's deeper and further and more eternal than I'm living right now. So my vision and my focus need to change. Well. I hope as you look at your future and your kid's future, you don't look at it with depression, but you look at it with a sense of urgency to say, if what Tim said is right, and if our, if our sense of a moral compass as a nation is changing and shifting, and, and I can see that with my very eyes, how much of greater importance is it that my grandkids know Jesus? And how much of greater importance is it that not only do they know Jesus, they, 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 live, they live a bold and, and uh, contagious and... and, and Gritty faith in the midst of a world like that. That's, that's drastically important that your kids and your grandkids know that to be true. And get that fire from you. Poke them. Poke them and prod them spiritually. Encourage them and push them into, into ways that are hard in our culture. So they can get used to hard. When, when a person, you know, a kid gets, grows up in a, in, a, in a lovely, loving, Christian, sheltered home, comes to church, hears about Jesus, grows up, gets into a world that... Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Gets... <laughs> gets into the world that, 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 that slaps them in the face and, and, and now they're figuring out with, does this thing, does, it, does this God stuff work or not? Is this real or not? I mean, I heard all this church stuff and we prayed in our house and we read the scripture at, at home and, and I get all of that but I'm living it now and I've got a mortgage and I've got a marriage that's hard and I've got a job that has difficult people that I'm working with and, or, or a boss that's hard to, and what happens now? Is this real or is it not? It's, it's vastly important that you and I poke and prod kids that are behind us on the journey, chronologically and spiritually both, we poke and prod them in, in, into learning to deal with difficulty. Because in, the scripture says, in this world, man is but a few days and full of trouble. That's true. And there's, there's, this world is not designed for eternity. It's not designed for happiness for you and I. It's designed for us to make a mark and be salt and light in a seasonless and dark place. And I think the quicker we see that, the better our world will be and the, and the greater sense of hope and, and purpose and plan that we can live with. Um, the, uh, you've probably seen news stories of, of the Supreme Court, hopefully sometime this month, making a decision that affects the state of Tennessee, the state of Kentucky, and the state of Virginia as it relates to same-sex marriage. And... <clears throat> I hope the court rules wisely in that, and, and, and I've been praying to that effect uh, almost every day as the Lord brings that to my mind. But here's what I want you to hear today from me is this. Your hope and my hope does not depend on the decision of the Supreme Court. Your hope and my hope doesn't depend on the legislation of a politician. It doesn't depend on who, who's elected president. Those things are important. Vote, vote for, for, for men or women that, that hold the values of this book to be as closely as, as, or as closely as they can resemble this book. Those kinds of things are vastly important. I'm not saying they're not. But our hope is not in those things. Hope's not in the, in the Supreme Court. Our hope's not in Washington, D.C. It's not in a politician. It's, as Tony Evans said years ago, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to be riding an elephant. He's not going to be riding a donkey because he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. And because that's true, you and I need to serve him as if that matters. When he, because he's coming again, and when he comes again, what will I be found doing? What will I be found thinking? What will I be found proclaiming? How will I be found living? Because our hope 
is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in the blood of Jesus at the cross. And if you and I can see that day after day, and that becomes a motivator for us day after day after day, it's far easier to get up and say, I can make a difference in the world. I'm not overcome or overwhelmed by him or her or this circumstance or that or, my, or a job loss or a marriage that's not going well. I'm not overcome by this because I see this is all temporary. My hope is in eternity. My hope is in the one who died to give it to me. So God's plans for me will always be for my good if I can see through an eternal lens. I'll see that it's always for my good. Second, God's plans for me will not only always be for my good, but will require a constant connection. God's plans will require a constant connection. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will Watch this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will, you will call, you will pray, I will listen, he says. Uh, and and here's, here's what I want to encourage you to, to, to do today. Sometimes I realize, for, especially for a young Christian, praying is intimidating. Because you, you, you feel like, I'm praying to the holy God of the universe, and I don't have the words to say. I don't, how can I say anything of value that he will even want to hear me and listen to me, much less respond and answer to my prayer? Did I say this to you? Will you just talk to him? Will you just be honest with him? Will you leave whatever the enemy has put in your mind as some kind of God language or holy language that you're supposed to pray in? Almighty Heavenly Father, God of heaven and earth... Will you leave that at the, at the curb and just say, Lord, it's me. I don't, I don't know anything. I can't do anything. I don't, I don't have any value to offer you. I don't, it, but it, can we, uh, what was it, Joan Rivers that said, can we talk? You know, and and th- that's the approach that we need to take to him to say, God, can we talk? I, I don't understand this. I don't get that. I don't. And the more we talk to him, the more we, we converse with him on a regular basis. And, and I, would, I would encourage you to make it a lifestyle. Now, it's great to have a prayer closet. I encourage you to do that. Have a, have a place where you, you're focused and zoned in on him and hearing from his spirit. But I, I would encourage you, as Paul does uh, to the Ephesians, make prayer an attitude of, 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 of your daily world to the, in the sense that as you're driving down the road, as you're at work, as you're, Lord, I need help with this. I need help with it right now because I'm about to mess up. Or if, if we're in a spirit and attitude of prayer, to, to pray literally without ceasing, as the scripture says, if that's, if that's our spirit and attitude, it, it becomes conversational. And it becomes uh, in the need of the moment. And it's, and it's far more realized to be true. And we see God's this interconnection with him and, his, and our prayer and his response and, in, and this, this, this relationship really that we have going on. We see him at work far more readily and far more quickly and far more clearly than if we feel like we've got to come to church to pray or to be at our kitchen table to pray or to be at our bedside to pray. If we're in a spirit and an attitude of prayer, we start to see the relationship grow. If prayer becomes a, a, a sectionalized, uh, uh, put up put a piece you know, of a puzzle spiritually in our life, it becomes that box that we go to and we visit that box occasionally when we need help or whatever, but that's about it. And I want to encourage you just to pray honestly, to talk to him like you would talk to anybody else. He gets it. He understands, the scripture says, your heart even more than you can put into words. He sees the desire and thoughts and intents of our heart, and so we should pray that way. And don't be intimidated by him because I'm going to tell you, you're going to blow it at every prayer. Can I just tell you, you're going to blow it. You're standing before in front of a holy God and you're going to, you're going to say things and do things that he, he probably listens to me pray sometimes and goes, really? Come on. I know your heart on that. I mean, will you just be honest with me about this? You and I both, I know your heart on that. And so 
if we pray that way and live with, with that sense of honesty and transparency before him, I'm going to tell you, we're going to start to see him move in ways that we haven't before, and I promise you that will happen. But the connection's got to, got to occur. That's why he says, you will call, you will pray, and the promise here is, I will listen. You will call, you'll call me, you'll pray, you'll, you'll come to me, you'll pray to me. My response is, I'm going to listen, I'm going to hear you, I'm going to, I'm going to respond, I'm going to be there for you. Um, now, we can't understand his plan and will if we're not connected to him in a, in, a, in a consistent way. So I want to encourage you to do that. Here's what I want you to also see is that every date you and I had when we were in high school or middle school, whenever you started dating, every date starts with the external. Every date starts with, oh, he's cute. She's a good-looking girl. He's, every date starts, I think I'll ask her out. I, think I'll, I wish he would ask me out. Will you tell him to come ask me Every date starts with, with the external, doesn't it? But the second date usually occurs because something internal has happened. Because there's been a conversation or a, an attitude or a, I'd like to get to know her better. I hope he'll ask me out again because he's, there's something about him that's a little bit different. And the second and third date, it doesn't, it's not to say that we, we stop caring about what they look like, but we start to care less about what they look like and more about what they're made of. That's what this connection does. As we talk to him regularly, as we're connected with him regularly, we, we start to see, here's, here's the way God speaks to me. Here's the way he works with me. Here's a pattern of things he's done in my life. And as he's done those things, uh, uh, he, we start to see him at work. And, and he says here in, in verse 13, if you seek me, you'll find me when you, and I love this phrase, underline it 15 times if you have your Bible open or, or, or highlight it if you have an electronic copy open. When you seek me with all your heart. You, when you seek me, you're going to find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not when you can work me in. Or not when it's convenient or when I'm available or when you're available. But when you seek me with all your heart, in essence, to, to say nothing else is more important than me finding God in this moment and for this circumstance. Nothing. My job, my marriage, my family, my kids. Nothing is more important than me knowing the will of God for me in this situation. And when, that's, when that becomes a with all my heart deal and it's, it becomes the focus of our life, I'm going to tell you some things are going to start to change as I said in relationships, in our job, in our vocation, in our career. So my question for you is this, how invested are you? How invested are you? How far in are you to say that, God, I want to know you. I want to seek you with all my heart. I want to get it. As I think back on, on God's call for me to, to lay worship aside and begin to teach, He's spoken to me over the years, and I, and I think I think I've developed a somewhat of a degree to, 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 to some degree a, a sense of understanding when he speaks and how he speaks. And so when when God started to deal with me with my heart about teaching in two thousand nine, it's not that I was close to that. I've been teaching small groups and in, in, in Sundays and stuff for a long time, and and it's not that that was something I, that I dreaded doing or, or couldn't see myself doing at all, and but. I told the Lord this, and I, and, and, and I, I almost feel like I audibly heard his voice, but I didn't. I, I said to him, I'll do that. You know, I, I was leading worship, as you know, at Lake Point in Jefferson City, and, I, and, and I, as, as I, he began to stir my heart about teaching and about planting a new church. I, my response to him immediately was, I'll do that. But in order for me to know that it's not me and it's you, I want you to take the passion for worship away. When it leaves... And the passion to teach picks up, I'll know that's from you. It wasn't 30 days till my passion for the worship was gone. Not gone totally, but just 
As if God said, there's the props out from under that. Now what's next? And so as I begin to see that occur, and I, and I still love worship today, and I'm passionate about it, and, and still, it still feeds my soul. But as the passion to lead it and to, and to engage people and to pull people in began to wane, and my passion to begin to disciple and encourage and, and equip, began to, as, as that passion began to grow, I began to see that's exactly how God's worked in the past. That's what he's doing today. And I begin to see this pattern of here God's, here's how God worked, has worked circumstantially in me before. Here's what he's doing today. You know why that was possible? Because there's been a pattern in my life, and, and I'm no better than any of you other guys. I'm on some days no closer to Jesus than some of you are either. But there's been a pattern in my life of listening to him, seeking him with all my heart. To know that, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, is this what you're in? I don't, I don't want to miss it. I don't want, I want this to be of me. Is this what you're in? Is this what you're up to with me? Because here's the thing. I want, if we miss that, we will miss a hand and a touch and a working of God like we've never seen before. When we get it, though, we're going to start to see what we talked about last week in the, in the fact that we're st- understanding God's call. We talked about our life bearing fruit and our life being fulfilled. When we start to walk with him and seek him with all our heart, we're going to start to see a greater sense of fulfillment, a greater sense of understanding about circumstances that are going on. Huh, here's what this conversation was about. Here's what that, here's what, here's what that gallbladder situation, here's what this cancer was about. Here's what this divorce was about. Here's what this job loss was about. We start to see, here's how, here's how, this is how God works. He works in these ways to speak to me clearly that I wouldn't otherwise understand because I don't get it sometimes. And when that starts to occur, I'm going to start to tell you, you're going to, you're going to live and walk with a greater sense of fulfillment, a greater sense of power, a greater sense of encouragement, a greater sense of direction, purpose uh, than you've ever had before. Um, here's what I want you to get to. to, to, to uh, I, I can't get away from this. When, when you seek me with all your heart, with all your heart, I want you to get this. And this, if you don't get anything else today, get this. With all your heart, or, or in essence, being all in, is seldom safe. It's seldom safe, but it's always good. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, being all in with him, pursuing him with all our heart, is going to move us into places of inconvenience. It's going to move us into places that are going to stretch us, places that are going to challenge us and push us in directions where we've not been felt, felt comfortable going up to that point. But it, it's always, and he tells us over and over and over again, and he tells us here in Jeremiah 29, for our good. It's always for our good. It's never convenient. And it, as I said, it is seldom safe. He will push us into more risk spiritually, into more risk relations, relationally than we've ever been, sometimes into more risk financially than we've ever been. He will always push us into risk in walking with him directly and intentionally. But when we do that, um, here, listen to what Job says about that. Uh, Job 42, 2-5 says, Job is replying to God here in, in Job. He says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Listen to Job, look what Job says. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My, listen to this. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What's Job saying? I get it. I get it. I understand that this is what this is about. It's about me and you. It's not about looking at my circumstances so people can say, listen, look at all the bad things that happened to Job. Where's Job's God? It's not about that. It's about me and you. And I get that now. I'd heard of you before, and I've walked with you. I loved you, tried to serve you. But now I see you. Now I get it. 
Now the, 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 the cataracts, the, the, the blinders have been taken up. And I see what all this is about now. I understand it. We can never see that unless we are all in. We can never see that unless we seek him with all of our heart. And when we do, he promises in this passage, we'll find him with all of our heart. Meaning, I'll lay this aside. I'll lay everything, in fact, aside to focus on finding his will, his plan, his purpose, his direction for my life. That connection will bring us in that direction. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at these last two elements, I think, that that, uh, has to do with God's plan and his purpose for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. God's plans for me will not only be always for my good and will require a constant connection. Thirdly, God's plans for me will be given a workout. God's plans for me will be given a workout. Look at what he says in verse 11. According to the plan of him who works out everything. According to him, in essence, who who works in and through everything. Everything is a process for him. Um, He says it's a process of execution, a process of execution and assessment. Execution and assessment. You say, Tim, are you saying that finding God's plan for me is, is as simple as trial and error? That's exactly what I'm saying. But not just any trial and error. Trial and error that he says to us in Ephesians 4, here's some of the, here's some of the gifts that are available in the body of Christ. And find and search for your gift in the body, for Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Peter 2. Here's some spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. Find the thing that looks like, the thing that resembles you, the thing that, that you feel like is in your DNA. That's why at Crosspoint we take seriously helping you do that as a part of uh, our ministry to say, here's what gap class is about. Here's what this gap course is about. It's about gifts, abilities, and passions. And looking at how God has put together those three things to help shape, here's my spiritual schematic. Here's, what, here's how God's wired me, what my spiritual gifts are, what my abilities are, where my passions lie, and how those things can best serve him and the church, and the kingdom. And so he's saying, you don't have to go in this blind. I'm going to give you tools to work with. But yes, it is a process of trial and error. It is a process of stepping into this and seeing God bless or not. It is a process of stepping into that and, 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 and investing here and investing there and engaging people here and engaging people there to say, is this part of God's plan for me? And as he, as he brings about those two things we talked about last week, as he brings about fruit and as he brings about fulfillment, you're going to see and be reinforced. Yes, this is what God's up to. Or not it. Let me look in this direction. And that, and that process of trial and error is spiritually led, spiritually motivated, but fed by the Word, as we saw last week, by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. God's Word, His Spirit, is confir- he, he confirms those things to us by His Word and His Spirit, yet we see the practical unfold as we start to put feet on those things. They become less concepts and more practices in our, in our life. So as we execute and as we assess, those are the things we see. Um, this this idea of, of, of it being a, uh, a, a as he says in this in in this, in this in verse eleven something that's ordered something that's predestined something that's designed before we were ever in fact Rome, uh, uh, Psalm one thirty nine says before you were in the womb I saw every sinew I saw every every part I saw every chromosome literally that he's talking about I saw every I saw every little detail of how you were put together before you were ever born in the womb I saw that put that put that all together there. In essence, to say, if I have that much detail in the physical, I have that much detail in the spiritual. And if you start to seek that, and understand that's true, first of all, and start to seek that, you're going to start to see it. I want you to see the detail that I have in your life. 
the detail of, of this, this, these, these events, these circumstances mattering for a purpose. The purpose of your seeing me in it and the purpose of your witnessing to others in, in the midst of how you handle it. So as we see those things, we start to see that's how God works. Uh, in Exodus chapter 4, God's, God's talking with Moses to the bush. You know the story there. And Moses, I want you to, I want you to go, and, go and lead my people. And, and what? I, I, I can't talk well. I don't lead well. I don't know a lot of people. I don't have connections. I'm not politically connected. You need somebody better than me. I, I can't. I, and God says, no, I, you're the one I want. And as a part of that discourse and conversation, uh, Moses keeps pushing back against God. And finally, in the early, early verses of chapter 4, God says, what do you got in your hand? A stick. Use the stick. Throw it down. Throws the stick down. You know the story. It becomes a serpent. Now pick the stick back up. Serious about picking a snake up. Pick, picks the snake back up and becomes a stick again. He says, what do you have? And that's a great question for each of us. What do you have? What's in your hand? What's available? In essence, where have I placed you? What strengths and abilities? And, and that's, that, again, to go back to Gap, that's what that helps, uh, helps us assess and discover. What strengths and abilities have you, or do you have in your hands? What, 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 what relationships have I placed around you that are beneficial both for you and for them? I've not, I've not, none of this is by accident. The places you work, the places you, the, the, the people you hang with, the people you fellowship with, none of those things are by accident. God's got designed all of that. You may think you orchestrated it. You didn't do that. God's got designed all those kinds of things. He makes those kinds of things occur and happen in your life. So the more we, the more we find ourselves just in a place of availability to say, God, I don't have a lot, but here's what I have. Moses, a stick. <laughs> to you, it may be a personality. To you, it may be finances. To you, it may be uh, some, some, some sort of talent or strength or ability. But what he's looking to say, what do you have? I just want, want you to open your hands up, open your heart up, open yourself up to me. Whatever you have, I can use because I've placed whatever you have in your hands to be used by me. And, and if you'll turn that over and give it to me, you're going to see him start to use it. Now, here's what you're also going to discover as you put this into trial and error. And as you execute and assess what's going on, you're going to experience some failure. And that's naturally going to occur. You think oh, uh, we, we hold and revere so highly, you know, these these great uh, spiritual giants, Peter and Paul, and Scripture. You know what those guys did? They messed up a lot. They met, Peter messed up a heck of a lot, and Paul messed up a lot too. You know what he said? He said, "Will somebody deliver me from the flesh? I hate the flesh. I go and revisit the flesh over and over and over again. Will somebody?" God, will you, will you help deliver me from the flesh and even from this thorn on the flesh that, I, that I'm carrying around? These guys messed up. They messed up regularly. These, these, these pillars of faith that you and I hold, these guys messed up. Peter messed up a lot. He just messed up a lot. And so that, what that ought to say to you is, it's okay to mess up. You know what, the, what these guys continued to do, though? They continued to walk. They continued to step. They continued to invest. They continued to... They didn't let that sidetrack them and allow the enemy to, 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 to paralyze their faith and say, listen, won't you stay where you are with what you've got? You just go to church and be nice and throw a little on the plate, open your Bible every now and then, pray for somebody. If somebody, You just be nice. Don't stir the pot. They just just, just be, be a nice Christian. Be compliant. Don't stir the pot. You know what those guys refused to do? They said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not letting them mess up. Let me miss what God has for me. I'm going to mess up again, but I don't want to miss it. I'd rather miss it messing up than stay paralyzed in a place where I never experienced him at a deeper level. And I wonder what, all, what that could have been like all my life, all my spiritual beliefs. What if I had known God and served him more deeply than I ever did before? 
We'll never know that if we stay exactly where we are. So it, he, he says, you're, 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 the, my plans for you are going to be given a workout. As, as I work these things out in you, in essence, as you put, put, them, put feet to them, test them, put them, in, put them in place, you start to see some friction occur, and yes, God's, God's honoring this, and he's not honoring this so much, and he's moving here, and you start to say, okay, maybe I'll go through this door, and I go through that door, and it slams. No, it's not. It. Go through this door, and it's like, oh, okay, this is where I should have been. God's, uh, I, see, I sense God's blessing and his fulfillment and what I'm, what's going on. Is, and we never learn that until we put it to the test. We never learn that until we, we, as long as we're back theorizing, what could God have for me? I wonder what he has for me. You know what? Satan wants us to theorize for the next 30 years, 40 years. I wonder what, what, I wonder what God wanted me to do all those years. You know what Peter and Paul says? I want to find it. I'm, I'm going to mess up finding it, but I want to find it. I want to discover it. I want to be in the middle of it. Because I understand if I'm in the middle of it, he's using me in a great way. And I'm seeing him, sensing him in a greater way than I had before. Fourthly, though, get this. Uh, God's plans for me will always be for my good. They'll require constant connection. We'll be given a workout. But God's plans for me will always result in his glory. God's plans for me will always result in his glory. His plans his glory, not ours. God's plans for us will never be about us. And that's become increasingly hard in our culture for life not to be about us because we're, we're centered in a me-centered culture. Most, and, 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 and if you're a parent of young kids, please don't be offended by this, but it's, it's just true as I observe it. And I, I, I'll be wrong one of these days when the Lord says, you know, you were stupid about that. And I'll say, okay, you're right, I'm wrong. But that's what I observe today in our culture. We're growing up in a child-centered culture, in child-centered homes where the children rule, and then get out of the world and wonder why it doesn't lay down for them. My parents laid down for me. They gave me everything I want and needed. The school laid down for me. It made every available. And life lays down. And I, get, I become a dog. Now I've got a mortgage. And now, now the, my car got repossessed. And now my, my marriage didn't work. And life isn't laying down for me anymore. What's the problem with that? And the problem is... is we, we as, as a culture, as parents, as lead, even as spiritual leaders, I'll take some of the blame, we, we thought life was about us, and we made, we made our kids feel that way, that life's about you. It's about your world. It's about your happiness. It's about your dreams, your goals, your expectations. The greater and the sooner we, we can, can not only see ourselves, but sow into the generation behind us that it's not about you, friend. Never was. Never intended to be. Heaven's not about you either. It's about him. <laughs> Here's not about us either about him and often about others um but 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 the more we see that, that this this god's plan for me is really all about me bringing glory to him now i get a great sense of fulfillment, fulfillment out of it and a great sense of purpose from it but it's really about me bringing glory to him and about seeking glory for him in, in those those circumstances those situations that are going on um here's a test if, if life is and, and god's plan is not about you then it also shouldn't be something you can pull off on your own so here's a test. If you sense God's plan for you to be something you can manage, I can do this. It's probably not of God. If you don't need him to bring it about, it's probably not from him in the first place. If you can manage it all on your own, make all the plates spin and everything, it's probably not of God. Even though you may be experiencing some human success with it, it's probably not of God. Because in every circumstance, person after person after person in Scripture, you know what was there constantly? Dependence. A need for him to show up for this to work. A need for him to really do, in some cases, something miraculous for this to make sense and for me to get it and understand what's going on. So if, if, it's, if you can work it out, 
it's probably not of God. Um, but as we saw last week, if, if there starts to be some fruit and if there starts to be some fulfillment, if I understand God's got a call on my life, I want to learn to walk in the center of his plan. And as I start to see that bearing fruit and God start to bring people into my world that have some level of, of need for him and I start to be able to bear some influence, whether it's, as I say, through a talent, through a, through a, through a conversation, through a relationship, through a ministry, through a, through a gift of some kind, through finances, through a, through a church, through, through work. Regardless of what the vehicle is, the vehicle is not that important. The fact that we start to see God making a difference through us into the lives of someone else, that starts to bring fulfillment. And it starts, that's the fruit, of, uh, the, the fruit of another believer is another believer. We start to see those conversations start to matter. And we're talking about things other than work and the weather. We're talking about things that matter. We're talking about eternal things now. The conversations have shifted between me and this person, between me and this person. What caused that? God caused that. He brought this person into your life. And so here's that sense of fruit bearing that you've been looking for. Here's that sense of fulfillment and direction that you've been seeking all this time. So he will make it fulfilling. He will make it bear fruit as we looked at last week. And he will this week bring glory to himself. God's plan will always bring glory to him and not you. Uh, That's a hard thing in our culture. Uh, It's a hard thing to to start to, to start to look at a, at a line that some, some architect or some designer has drawn on, one line to draw on a page, and then, you know, six months later, stand back and see that line is a wall. And that wall is part of a building. And that building is, is being used to do this now and that now, and house people and protect and allow people to worship. And, and all that started with the, the, plan of God, <clears throat> the plan of God to start with something that didn't exist before and now bring it into fruition. Now bring it into reality. Why? Because that's what God had planned to do. That's what he had predestined, predetermined before we were ever born that we should be about. When we start to see that, okay, God's got a call for me. He's got a plan for me. I get it now. I understand it. Now where do we go from here? We go next week to purpose. That's why you need to be here next week to realize God's got a call. God has a specific and, and in some cases even very detailed plan. Now what's the purpose of it all? How does that, how does that uniquely apply to me? We're going to see that next week. But as we close today, I want you to understand, and you've, you, hopefully you're getting this, God has a call. If you were here last week, if you, if you didn't, go download the message from last week. God has a call. He's got a call for each of us, and not just for pastors and missionaries and, and, and Leanne. But he's got a call for each of us. Every one of us have a call from God. Whether it's to a classroom, whether it's to, to, to coaching a bunch of kids, whether it's regardless of God's call, he's got a call for us you know, on each one of our lives. And there's something about that call. In fact, there's a lot about that call that is spiritual. Some of it's human. Some of it you've got to make a plan for kids in a classroom. Some of it you've got to design a place for kids to run on a football field. But there's a call for each of us. And it's deeper than just plays and, 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 and class plans. It's about impact. It's about influence. It's about the things that matter for eternity. So when we understand God, yeah, I get it. God's got a call. And then we understand God's got a plan. The next thing we, we need to assess before we leave today is this. Back in, back in revisiting Jeremiah 29 again, am I seeking those things with all my heart? Do I really want to know that more than anything else? Or am I just content to stay in mediocrity here where I am? Am I seeking to understand, do I, do I know that call first of all? And am I seeking to understand, okay, beyond the call, God's got a detailed plan for me. I get it. I understand now. Am I seeking those things with all my heart? Am I, am I beginning to put feet to the fire to say, could this be it? Understanding my gifting, my abilities, my passions, could, could this be it? Could God be at work here? Is this a fit for me? Is that the fit for me? You know what's drastic? Sometimes when we start to understand those things, we start to realize, I'm in the wrong career. I'm professionally in the wrong place. I need to seek something else. 
and to something else maybe even with more money or less money. We start to realize, as we discover God's plan and purpose for us, I'm not in the fit for that. I'm not in a place where I can live that out in an active way. I, I need to move and shift careers to here or to there. That's how drastic God works sometimes. Are you open to that? Because that's what really with all your heart means. With all your heart, as we looked at earlier, means there's a lot of risk involved and there's very little safety involved in that. But with all our heart means we're going to grab onto that and pursue that with everything we've got. We're not letting go. White knuckle grip on finding God's purpose and plan for me. It's far more important than anything I've ever experienced spiritually because I'll never move deeper with Him until I realize that and move on that. So, God has a call, God has a plan, and am I seeking that with all my heart? How invested am I in knowing that God has a plan for my life? How invested am I? Am I on the outside looking in, still a spectator, thinking, yeah, Tim, that's, that's great theory, buddy. Hope that works for you. Or is that something that resonates to me to say, yeah, that is me, and I don't know it. And I've just discovered it maybe for the first time these last couple of weeks. But I want, to know, I want to know more. I want to move more. I want to be used by him more. I want to see some, my life making a greater difference than it's made up to this point. And we'll tell you, you're on the right path. Come back next week. We're going to start to see here, here's, here's how God's purpose unfolds for each of us uniquely, specifically. It's going to be great. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.